Welcome to Ask the Advocate, where mental health advocates share their journey to advocacy and what it has meant for their lives. Ask the Advocate is a Mothers on the Frontline production. Today we will listen to Shanta, a mother of three, clinician, and advocate. This interview was recorded at the 2017 National Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health Conference in Orlando, Florida. During this particular recording, you can hear music and noise in the background from another event at the hotel. Please don't let these noises distract you from Shanta's story. And I want to say thank you very much thank for agreeing to be interviewed, especially on the spot. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Shanta Hayes. I'm an MSW, a mother of three, an advocate and a proponent of self-care. Oh, proponent of self-care. We'll have to talk about that. So Shanta, tell us a little bit about your advocacy journey, your mom advocate journey. Um, my middle daughter is 14 years old and we started noticing some things that were just not quite, you know, right or on par with her developmental milestones and so we you know took her to the pediatrician and we're like oh it's fine you know this is well within norms and it was well within norms for a while until it wasn't and then it started to manifest itself behaviorally but we what we found out eventually was that she has a diagnosis of ADHD and major depressive disorder her diagnoses have led to some challenges in school for her and that's how we first noticed it we mm-hmm. noticed you know she was having trouble getting her homework done she was having trouble sleeping um she was having trouble just understanding the material and we thought well what's going on so we've moved from a diagnosis of ADHD and major depressive disorder to now we also know she has some processing issues mm-hmm. so after we visited the psychologist and we've done all the testing it's like okay Uh, She has some working memory issues, and those things aren't necessarily solved with medication or behavior plans, so we're now going to the neurologist. Right. So, oh, and checking with the endocrinologist to make sure it's nothing hormonal. Um, But the thing is, my advocacy journey is always making sure my child is first in knowing, letting her know Mm -hmm. that we'll put her needs first, but that will also take into consideration how she's feeling. Yeah. So therapy, you know, we go to therapy for, you know, the depression, but she's not a fan of talk therapy. No. So we're looking at other therapies now, you know, it's like, okay, drama therapy, play therapy, Mm -hmm. because those are modalities that she's really interested in. Right. 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 Because I need her to know that even though I'm the one making the, setting the appointments, Mm -hmm. she's the one going to the appointments. Yeah. And if she's not engaging in one way, we need to find a way that works for her. So we talk to her and we ask her, what, what, what do you want to do? Right. How right. how can we make this work for you? So I'm letting even my 14-year-old child know that her health is in her hands. This is the self-care advocacy. So I need her to be an advocate yeah. for her health. Yeah. You know? I want her to know that uh, she she has a say. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't take that into consideration. I think we try and force a lot of different therapies or medications on our children. We're not really listening. We need to be very aware of how we allow them to engage in their own medical mental health Mm -hmm. um, so that they don't develop a sense of, I have no choice in this process. And that's how we work with her. 
So you said you have an MSW. Did it precede or did this come along with your journey with your daughter? First of all, tell me a little bit about okay. who you were before you became mom or what you do outside of being mom. Let's see. Mom is, is my first job. Yes. It's my first job. I was I was one of those young ladies who took the 50s track and I went to school and got an MRS. Okay. Right. So for those of you that don't understand, I'm schooled and I got married right after. Okay. <laughs> Started a family. And I was fine with that. I love being a mom. Mm -hmm. I love baking. I love taking my kids to the park. I love, you know, being their first teacher. Um, we divorced a few years ago. Okay. And I said, well, I got one degree, but can't really do anything with it. Mm -hmm. I like history. <laughs> don't want to teach. What can I do? And I, I'm really good with people. And I learned that I was really good with people because as a mom, I was a part of a group called Mocha Moms, which was a support group for stay-at-home mothers of color. Mm -hmm. um, I was a Girl Scout leader. I was on the PTA. So I'm constantly engaging with people and connecting them to resources. Right. That's what social workers do. I just happen to like to solve problems as well. So clinical social work, being a therapist, was my interest. So uh, everything happens in time. I believe that. And my going back to school and my daughter's diagnosis escalating coincided. So it really came to a head as I was in my um, advanced year placement at a psychiatric facility and I worked on an adolescent girls unit and my daughter's behaviors were spiraling and we had to hospitalize her. Um, so being a clinician, working with adolescent girls and going home to an adolescent girl with her own issues was very challenging, but it also gave me some tools that a lot of other parents might not have had and some insight that you definitely don't get. Like these are the things that should happen when you have to 10, 13 your child. Would you tell us more about that? If you, if you want to share. Um, so the behaviors had gotten to a point where she was a harm to herself. Mm -hmm. And a psych nurse deemed it necessary to, to hospitalize her. And even though I felt I was technically trained mm -hmm. and you know capable of handling this responsibility, I had to consider it's not just what I can do. She has two siblings at home. Mm -hmm. This takes a toll on your whole family. Right. Um, that's a great deal of emotional stress. So we, I took her to the children's hospital, had her evaluated. They deemed it necessary. They transferred to her a facility. Um, so at the facility, they do stabilization. Mm -hmm. They do an assessment. They evaluate. The things you, you don't necessarily think about are, you know, the outside factors like who is outside your immediate family mm -hmm. and do they really need to know mm -hmm. and how will they react because that was what we came across right. my daughter was hospitalized around her sister's sweet 16 okay. and we had planned her party and family members were coming but our daughter wasn't going to be there right. um, so we, we had some backlash mm -hmm. and that was the time where it came to be. I know you mean very well. Mm. However, my job is to look out for the best interest of my child. And she could not be here today because she needed to take care of herself. Or she needed oh, to be taken care of. Care. That is so important. Yes. That's a wonderful way to talk about this too. Self-care. It is. They have to recognize that 
you know, you cannot say what you would have done in this situation because it is very challenging. Um, like I said, I, I wanted to keep her home, but that would not have been in the best interest of other parties, right. you know, because I don't want them to be stressed. Right. Now, yes, it's hard to know your sister's in a hospital, but it would be harder thinking, did I put away all the knives or did I put away all the medications or jump ropes? Right. Because these are the things that we had to consider. Right. Like, okay, because her thing was um, hanging herself. Right. Um, and that was the scary part because we, we think, oh, she had a plan. My child had a plan. Yeah. And she had means and she had access. So if we don't think to ask those questions, we might brush it off as, you know, she didn't feel well. She's, she's down. She's depressed. And we still don't take depression very well in communities of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, we did have to remove all items that might be, you know, a means to her. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm very glad that her time in the hospital, she was like, you know, I really don't don't think they did anything for me. But that was because the modality they used is not one that works for her. Talk therapy does not work for her. Right. So in the hospital where I worked, um, I used play therapy a good deal with my clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had clients as young as six years old, so sometimes that might be the best thing you can do is to just sit and play and observe and and question. Um, But I'm also a big proponent of bibliotherapy, um, using books and stories to engage a client, right? Um, So that's why, going back to earlier, we're looking for other methods that will suit her because I need her to see... Like, if one thing doesn't work, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We can try something else. Mm-hmm. You know, if that doesn't work, okay. There are lots of different things we can do. But what we can't do is we can't stop. That's important. So, yeah. I'm all about being mindful and taking a break, breathing, being in the moment. But you get, you take that breath, you keep going. So, in all of these different therapies and all in, in this journey with your daughter and then also, I mean, having this background, which is such a rich and important background, if you could pretend that you're talking to, and you can fill in this blank with teacher, family members, church members, if you go to church, um, community members, um, doctors, if you could pretend that you're talking to them, person or group, what would you want them to know about your experience, you, your experience um, parenting a child with a mental health challenge? Um, I don't typically tell people what I do just on meeting them. But I would like for people to approach me with the compassion that they would any other person of a parent going through a trauma. Because having your child committed produces trauma because the mommy guilt that most of us feel sometimes is very real. Immediately you begin to question, what did I do wrong? Oh my gosh, did I have one drink while I was pregnant? Did I go to that restaurant where they allowed smoking? Did I not go over her ABCs enough with her? Did I not check that fever when she was six months old? It just, it can eat away at you and you question like the very core for me the very core of who I am which is being a mother that is I tell my children you are my first job you are my first priority 
I'm going to do my very best to make sure you are able to take care of yourselves when you leave here. However, this thing right here is causing me to question whether I did my job right in the beginning. Exactly. So please address me as someone who's just having a challenging day. That's why they say you never know what someone's going through. So if you just treat people the way you want to be treated, and I'm sure most of us want to be treated kindly, we'd be okay. You know? Yeah, that's so true. And please treat her the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. she's a very lovely girl. She has a beautiful soul. She's so kind and very loving. But she goes from zero to 100 and point one. <laughs> and it's just like, ugh. But that's because she has a mood disorder. She can't control that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, medication, people think, oh, you've medicated. Please don't judge me for medicating my child. Mm -hmm. Do not judge me for doing the thing that my child needs. Mm -hmm. Because not every herbal supplement is going to get the job done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not every behavior plan is going to work for her. Mm -hmm. um, telling her to go to sleep earlier isn't going to work because she, she has sleep issues. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Exercise, when you have um, anhedonia, which is a lack of desire to do things that you used to enjoy, I'm sorry, she's not, it's not going to happen today. We got to take baby steps. So please don't judge me that I have medicated my child. Mm -hmm. and, and if you do, keep it to yourself. I like that. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. So um, what has been most difficult in the past in trying to get help for your child? Um, even as a clinician, um, not really knowing all the resources, and I know a lot of resources, but not knowing all the resources that are out there um, that can be helpful. Um, but again, um, sometimes that, that, that mom guilt really, really gets in the way, and that keeps you from, you know, saying, okay, this is not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about her, mm -hmm. so let me ask for this resource. Or not recognizing what a resource actually is, right? So uh, my daughter has a 504, which is great. That's a medical impairment form, right? Um, she can get uh, coverage and services at school, different accommodations to help her in the classroom. And IEP recognizes that my child has a disability, which gives her more coverage, all right, so you're thinking, oh, IEP, they were like, oh, yes, we'll put her in special ed and we'll have an extra teacher. But that protects her when she goes to college. That protects her further in high school. That does give her access to additional resources. That says if she's in a program and she's having some behaviors that are challenging and causing maybe some issues per her IEP, you cannot put her out. I need you to work with her. I need you to follow this educational plan that we have in place so she continue to be here and receive the services because what we fail to see is uh, people implementing the resources that they have right. right so we don't use what we have properly and we allow our children to be you know circumnavigated and taken all these different ways and that's really not beneficial to them when the tool that you had works really well right if you know how to use it. So if you could name like one tool, because you named the IEP and the mm -hmm. IEP works. And I love when you said that not everything works for everybody and there's so many different things you, so mm -hmm. if you had to think of one tool that you could say, this, this 
was the moment that's like, this is work. <laughs> this, 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 this is good. Um, so let's see. She does you currently she utilizes her 504 mostly. We haven't had to say, look, this is, you know, IEP level stuff. Her 504 works for her and 504 work for a lot of youth. Um, her 504 has accommodations such as she can have extra time on her homework. She can get an extra day on her homework or she can get extra time on testing, regular testing and standardized testing. Um, she can test in a small room. She can test on the computer because my child due to her processing issues works better on a computer them with pen and paper yeah. now granted we're all moving away from pen and paper but there are still some environments where they do it and it's like look this is what has been told to me my child is good at mm -hmm. I need you to look at her strengths mm -hmm. and work there mm -hmm. and I think we fail to sometimes recognize that even children with mental health and behavioral issues they have strengths mm -hmm. we overlook those because sometimes the behaviors are so escalated mm -hmm. that it's just like I can't cannot take this anymore. This behavior is driving me bananas. Please always look at your child's strengths. Remember, remind them who they are and how awesome they are. My daughter, I have a, a Wi-Fi password and I'm like, what is this password? And she's like, and I'm like, really? Because all the pound signs and the lowercase letters and the underscore, I'm like, really? But okay. You are awesome. Mm -hmm. And don't put it on what is wrong. It's you are awesome. You remember that? I can. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's great. You fixed the computer? Wonderful. Because I just sat it over in the corner and went and bought another one. <laughs> so you did that. You know, please remember that you took the time to go in and look at this system mm -hmm and figure out what the issue was and you worked through that process and you made it correct. You can do that. And so we relate to the, their strengths and we relate them back to how they can manage their own care. That's important. That's so important. Speaking of self-care, because I know when you said your self-care. Yes. So tell us right now, if, are you swimming? Are you drowning? Are you treading water? I never tread water. I'm horrible at treading water. <laughs> like in, in real life and like, you know, just going through a crisis, I suck at treading water. I float. Oh. And that is my preferred method. Tell me more right? about floating. So actually, as, as one of my self-care methods, mm -hmm. I go to the pool and I just float. Right? And it is a time where I'm literally just weightless and I don't think about what's going on. I look up at the lights in the ceiling mm -hmm. or I close my eyes and I just lay there and let it all go. Wow. And sometimes we really have to realize we can't carry all of this anyways. Mm -hmm. We just need to sit it down somewhere and let it go for a little while. So being in the pool for 30 minutes, that's that's my mm -hmm. self-care, really. Wow. Like, and on days when I really need to work something out, then I'll swim and I usually do a crawl. Mm -hmm. But that's, I mean, we're, most of us are swimmers, mm -hmm. except my one child. <laughs> and my son is not. <laughs> She's like, no, I can't do this. But um, swimming is my preferred uh, method of self care just because I find it so relaxing. Mm -hmm. I think tr treading water is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to get through something, you want to try and let go of as much as possible. You want to purge all, all the unnecessary weight. You just carry what you need. Mm -hmm. Okay? And 
generally we find what we need is going to be inside of us because a plan is always in our head. Mm-hmm. We don't need extra papers or notebooks or bags to carry a plan. Because when the plan is necessary for the foundation or the benefit of your family, you're going to hold that in your head and in your heart. Mm-hmm. You let all the rest of it go. That's a good point. Um, but I love to swim. I, I, I love a Manny Petty too. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to be pampered. But I think that we must also recognize that self-care doesn't really have to cost. Yeah. Um, Meditation is a great way to um, take care of yourself. I write notes to myself. Mm. I write notes on my mirror. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I have a current message on my mirror. Uh, you are a great partner worthy of love. Right? That's Because we need to remind ourselves sometimes. And sometimes when you're, you know, working with other people and there's, it seems like there's so much going on, you know, just a simple reminder is, is nice, mm-hmm. right? Um, I do um, some brain fart. Um, aromatherapy. Yeah, I saw you doing like perfume. Man. Aromatherapy. That was like. <laughs> uh, so I make my own um, like a linen sprays. Mm-hmm. I do a nice little linen, a lavender linen spray that I spray on my bed when I, when I change my sheets before right. I get in the bed. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I love aromatherapy. Yes. Um, peppermint. I did a peppermint and eucalyptus one just for like a refresher mm-hmm. and it helps to um, with memory. So I'm like, ah, and walk into it and it uplifts and kind of reinvigorates and you can go off and do your thing and you smell good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On top of it, you smell and nice. It, yeah. And it doesn't cost a lot. Like, you know, um, and I bake. Yeah, um, I bake a lot because baking makes me feel good, and then the people I give my goodies to, they, <laughs> they feel good too. Cakes and brownies and cookies and stuff. So, I know this is part of advocacy. This mm-hmm. is this, you know, we're at the National Federation, and most of us are advocates. Is there an organization, a particular group? I see you have a, a, a thing here that you, you, you want to talk about or give a shout out to. Well, I work with the Younger Years and Beyond, mm-hmm. which is a Federation chapter. Yes. Um, and I'm very excited about the work with them because I don't work with the Younger Years. I work with the Beyond part. Beyond. <laughs> So, and that's uh, very exciting to me because um, while catching, intervening early in life is great, Mm -hmm. I mean, we absolutely have to be a net for our adolescents. We really have to show them how to care for themselves, how to advocate for themselves, how to be mindful of what's going on with their bodies. You know, in adolescence is a very challenging time. So just being an educator and helping out through younger years and beyond is really just a privilege because I get to help say, um, how can you identify? How can you identify the things that trigger you? Mm-hmm. How can you identify ways to ground yourself? Uh, how can you talk to your psychiatrist or your psychologist? How can you let them know what you need? 
So helping young people advocate for themselves is just really important to me. So very excited about that. Well, thank you so much um, for, for participating and, and sharing all your wisdom and focus on self-care and self-care techniques, real self-care techniques with us. Thank you. Um, spending some time with us while we're here. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And I know everybody who will be listening will appreciate it too. Thank you. You have been listening to Ask the Advocate, copyrighted in 2018 by Mothers on the Frontline. Today's podcast host was Dan Bensonsmith. The music is O, written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts in this and other series relating to children's mental health, go to Mothers on the Frontline or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Android, Google Play, or Stitcher.